Get ready, get comfy for the next nonprofit insider podcast episode. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Nonprofit Insider Podcast. I am your host, Swim Kareem. We are in February 2024. Can't believe it that we're here. It is it's wild how time just time just really moves. So crazy. <laughs> Episode 35, hope you are doing well. Uh, glad to have you in. If you listen on Apple, if you listen on Spotify, you can listen with each other, just so you know. Uh, if you listen to this, chances are I'm probably already in Philadelphia. I, I, I am there, Super Bowl weekend. Not not to celebrate because the Eagles, they didn't fucking do it. <laughs> not that they needed to do it. I mean, look, they won Super Bowl last year, but uh, I am back here in Philadelphia. I got just to handle some business. Sometimes you got to... You just got to handle some business like that. <laughs> and so if you're in the Philadelphia area and you're listening to this, um, hit me up. Not that I have a lot of time, uh, but I'm doing a lot of bit, a lot of traveling. Going to Philadelphia this week. I'm in Phoenix next month. Um, and then some things are happening uh, around the summertime. So I'm going to do, I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling is what I'm saying. Hit me up. You can find me on TikTok. You can find me on Instagram at the nonprofit insider. I uh, love to connect with you there. We've got some good stuff happening. I'm staying pretty consistent. I'm doing about three a week. Uh, not that I need to do more or less, but we're being consistent and I, that's what I'm going for. So hit me up on, on TikTok or Instagram. I need more nonprofit insider stories. If you have a story, oh, I got a little bit too close to the mic there. If you have a story, I, I want to hear it. We, we've, I've got a couple of stories in the bank here, but um, I, I want to hear from some from you. So if you get a chance, hit me up. You can email me at the nonprofit insider podcast at gmail i'll put that in the show notes i'll be sure to do that this time around but if nothing else you can make up on instagram or tiktok uh, like i mentioned earlier but i need more nonprofit horror stories i'm going to feature a nonprofit horror story today i'm going to share one from a time i was in a um i was in like an interview panel and so i got a really good story i think you all appreciate um hear about Two, three minutes. I'm going to talk about a news segment out of Vermont that I found very interesting about our local newspaper uh, that's going nonprofit. So I'm going to share that here in a little bit. Stay tuned for that. And in our main segment, we've got a really good one. I'm going to talk about um, nonprofit events, specifically fundraising events. Are they dying? This is a conversation that's been happening nonstop over, honestly, the last, I would say, two decades from when we had the internet explosion to the recession to um, increase in debt across America to, to COVID, people who have been asking in the nonprofit space are are our events dying? And so I want to give my little two cents here in the main segment. That'll, that'll be in our B block. Let me show my Mister Thing. Mister Thing. Oh, I, I saw the movie. You know what? I'm gonna start doing movie. Uh, movie critiques here. Listen, 60 seconds or less. I saw the movie American Fiction. Um, if you haven't had a chance to see it, it stars Jeffrey Wright. Uh, Tracy Ellis Ross is in it. Issa Rae is in it. Uh, Erica Alexander is in it. Uh, phenomenal acting, first and foremost. This cast is amazing, and they did a good job um, from the writing to the acting 
to the timing, to the editing. This is a really good movie. You can see why it's got a lot of ass Oscar knots, American fiction. Way better than Mean Girls. Uh, in the last episode, I talked about seeing Mean Girls. That was garbage. But American fiction, if you get a chance, go see that movie. All right, I think that's it for now. Let's get into our new segment. But first, let me tell you about my friends at Red Rock Roasters. Listen, you know I've been talking about Red Rock Roasters for some time. They have been a supporter of the Nonprofit Insider podcast pretty much since the jump. And look, I wouldn't even be talking about them if their coffee and business practices were not good. This is the coffee destination you need in your life. And one of my favorite things, they have this thing called the Red Rock Roasters Coffees of the Month Club. And look, it's a new year. New year, new you, maybe some new coffee, right? Based out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, Red Rock Roasters is a local family-owned, multi-generational coffee speciality company, and they have everything you are looking for. And with their coffee of the club, they are able to send you coffee directly in the mail, ships every single month on the same day. You don't have to get out of your car. You don't have to go inside to get the coffee. You can brew this coffee right at home, and they have all kinds of roasts, all kinds of flavors. You're going to want to give this a try. Head over to redrockroasters.com. I have the information in the show notes. You can check them out on Instagram. I'm posting about them all the time because their coffee is phenomenal and they have such an amazing sustainable footprint in the Albuquerque area. Be sure to check them out. We appreciate them sponsoring the show. All right, and we're back. Uh, fascinating story out of Vermont. One of the more telling stories. I really appreciated this story. This was, um, I found this in the vtdigger.com. <laughs> that's just vtdigger. That's just so funny because it's like, I guess they do a lot of digging in Vermont. I don't know what the deal is. But um, on this website, it's for, for people in Vermont, as you would imagine. And... In the article, it's by Kay Feigenbaum. I hope I said your name right, Kay. Kay Feigenbaum, and the title of the article is, quote, Hoping for a Comeback, Hardwick Gazette Goes Nonprofit. And I found this just a, I mean, like, it's right up my lane, Hardwick Gazette. Anything that ends in Gazette, Journal, Times, you know that's a newspaper, you know what I mean? That's never like an online blog. Or if it is, it's like a parody kind of thing. Um, but I said, okay, let me let me click on this. And basically, there's this paper that covers a part of Vermont. It covers eleven towns, and 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 the COVID is, uh, the COVID basically killed it. I mean, the the newspaper is basically dead, or it's dying. I guess I should say because it's technically still online. Um, but yeah, it's this paper. It covers. Uh, Hardwick, which I looked up as a town of 1,012 people. So that's what we're talking about here. Uh, just a little context. Uh, and I tried to see how many people live in all 11 of these towns, but the article doesn't mention all 11 towns. But but the, the author does a great job. Kay uh, Feigenbaum, she does, she does a great job. And in this article, she talks about how uh, basically there was a newspaper and they serve this like local community, very specific newspaper, nothing big, nothing major. And basically they died during COVID, um, lost their subscription. A lot of people, 90% of their, like subscription or ad revenue, 
um, lost a lot of subscribers, and, and and basically just folded. Had to lay people off, and just never recovered, right? And that's a a story that you hear across America with a lot of businesses. And what was interesting is that this newspaper ended up being donated to a community group, and now they're trying to turn it into a nonprofit. It again, it's it's all kinds of layers and, and levels here, but you get the basic gist of. They want to take this newspaper and they're turning it into a nonprofit. And the basic idea is they want to look to rebuild the, the, the money and rebuild the reach, which makes sense, right? This is now, if now that they are serving as a nonprofit, I would imagine, they probably, I imagine they're going to go 501c3 because then you can get some charities, uh, money and donations and stuff. But um, yeah, they're trying to rebuild the, the reach to this community that probably really values this thing, right? Um, and they want to they want to replenish the money. And so um, it's funny because I just joined onto a local uh, board that cover a, a local nonprofit board. It covers the entire state, actually. It's local, but it covers the entire state. And they're like, yeah, we have a couple of different programs, but we have one particular program that really raises all the money. I mean, this is the one that's far and away the big, the big one. And so, yeah, I can get a sense of if you're trying to expand your reach and your money. Um, yeah, hopefully you're able to do that. And, and one of the most interesting parts, though, <laughs> that honestly, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of shed a little like tear inside when I read this because I have a soft spot for newspapers. Uh, when I was in high school, one of the things I, I was like, I, I am definitely going to college to be a journalist. I'm a fucking terrible editor. Ter- I'm not even that great of a writer. Podcasting is more of my thing, so I'm glad I have been able to come around to podcasting. But for someone who writes a bunch of emails all the time, you think I'd be a much better writer. I just never had that gift. But I was in um, Charlotte, North Carolina, and in high school, I did an internship with the Charlotte Observer. I mean, I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to be a-, a writer. And so when I went to school, I wanted to be a writer. And there was a part of this article where uh, it, it said, like, when uh, is, is, the, is the nonprofit newspaper hoping to come back to print? Because right now they're only online. And they said that right now that they're hoping to go back and print. But for now, two libraries in this area has the printed version. So <laughs> if you want. And I'm laughing not because it's like funny, but because it's like, I mean, it's just telling. It is what it is, right? If you want to do or read a print of this local newspaper, you have to go to your local library. And look, you know, I love fucking libraries, right? I I met my first girlfriend at a a library. Have you heard this before? But wow, that's, that's like, honestly, I'm like sad face inside. Like if you want to do... Read the, the print copies. You have to go to the two libraries. And again, this town, Hardwick, only has a thousand people, so I can only imagine how many people live in this scenario, surrounding area. But check this out. I'm going to put it in the show notes. If nothing else, I appreciate the drive of the people behind this. So honestly, I mean, like, I, I stand up and tip my hat to this group of folks that are, are trying to make this newspaper happen because there are a lot of communities out there that. If you really are trying to get a local flair, the newspaper is how you do it. I mean, you can go into your local Facebook groups and chats, but 
then you gotta deal with the fucking comments and the bullshit. There's just something, honestly, look, I sound old school now, like picking up a book versus a Kindle, but there's something to like, you know what, I'm looking for some information in my town of 2000, I want a newspaper. They have an uphill battle, um, but that's what nonprofits are for. The nonprofit designation and stature is designed for moments like this, when you feel like you're going to provide a community or group of individuals some really powerful information. Let's leave it. Let's fuck it. We're going to make it a nonprofit. And we're going to see if we can kind of rock this thing. And if the community can get behind it, more power to them. All right, listen, I'm back. And look, do you have you have a phone in your hand? I know you have a phone in your hand. Set the timer for 40 seconds because I'm not even going to need 40 seconds. I'm only going to need 30 seconds. You ready? All right, go hit the timer. Listen, I already told you about Red Rock Roasters. They are the premier coffee destination in Albuquerque if you're looking for coffee. And look, it's, it's a new year. Why don't you try some new coffee? Go to redrockroasters.com because I know you have your phone because you're telling me. Go to redrockroasters.com. Check out their coffee. They have the coffee of the month club. This is the coffee directly to you. They have a, an amazing assortment of French and ground and, and, and whole bean. It, it, listen, it doesn't matter. They have you covered. So go to Red Rock Roasters. Follow them on Instagram. They've been a supporter of the show since the jump. And we love what they do because they have amazing business practice. And they just have amazing coffee. Go try them out because I think you'll appreciate it. All right. Am I good on time? All right. Cool. Let's get back to the show all right we're back and let me start with this back in the mid 2020s circa like you know 2014 2015 something like that i started working with this nonprofit, and one of the things is they had every year up until that around that point they had a breakfast event you know like one of those like you come to a hotel ballroom or you come to like a community center, you know, something to that degree. And they would honor like local heroes in the community. And it was, it was a fundraising event. And depending on where you live, you've probably have heard of these to one degree or another. And, and, and the level of, what's the word I'm looking for? And, and the level of money that's thrown at these events can vary, right? Some could raise, you know, 10,000, 20,000, and some could raise 200, 300,000, or some north of a million, right? So they used to hold this breakfast event. Again, it was like you know, local heroes. They have like the local news anchor served as the, the MC, you know, for the day, honor firefighters, police, may, maybe a kid who saved a dog by giving it CPR. Uh, things that, you know, when you two really first get got going in the early 2010s, uh, those those types of videos start showing up on YouTube or before you only watched it on the 5 o'clock news. So it was that kind of event. And I remember attending and thinking like, okay, okay, this isn't bad. You know, it's, you know, breakfast, it's, you know, early business people suits, People sponsor tables, you know, it's showcased on the local news, the local newspaper. Ten years later, a lot of those things are dead. <laughs> a lot of those things are dead. 
And it really has you wondering, it has me thinking, a question that honestly, I'm not the first to ask this and I'm not going to be the last. Are events in the nonprofit space dead? This is a question that was asked in 2015. This was a question that was asked in 2010. This was a question that was asked in 2005. This was a question that was asked in 2000 when we were all talking about Y2K. It's one of those things where as technology changes around nonprofits, the ideas of where people keep their attention or the different ways that people support what's important to them or their companies or their tax bottom lines, honestly, whatever the case may fucking be. It has, it's those types of things when those things, when technology changes, nonprofits sometimes are downwind. If you don't know what that means, look that up. Downwind, downwind from nuclear. Anyway, um, live in New Mexico, so I always try to throw in the atrocities <laughs> of nuclear for so many communities across the Southwest. But a lot of nonprofits would be downwind to those types of things where technology changes and nonprofits are not necessarily at the forefront. They're just kind of holding on to the boat, seeing which way it lands and if they're going to be able to survive. Since a lot of times nonprofits get their money and their funding and their resources and influence from that of government or their uh, for-profit beneficiaries. And so even though this is a question that's been asked forever and ever, I'm going to ask it. And, And look... It's hard to say. (laughs) And that's not trying to be a cop-out answer. Um, One thing, I'm not going to say they're dead. Let me me put it like that. I don't have any reasons to see the non-profit event um, dying in the next five or ten years. To be completely honest, I think it's going to continue And I think there'll be a moment in like the next 10 years where you're going to see a little bit of a reoccurring theme where nonprofits are going to jump back into it. I'll talk about that here in a little bit. Let me me say this. Let me say this first. Let me share this. I, I, one of the big reasons that you're seeing a lot of nonprofit holding events at a lower rate is because it, it a lot of events and if you're in a nonprofit space you know this, a lot of events provide a one-time boost right a one-time injection imagine this imagine this here's a good analogy imagine i came to you one day and i said i was put publishers clearinghouse you all remember those i don't even don't even still exist anymore but let's say i'm with publishers clearinghouse you, you never paid in or anything like that. But let's just say I come to your house with random. I say, hey, you, you won the lottery and I'm going to give you a check. And let's say with that check after taxes, let's just say after taxes, you walk away with an even $100,000, right? Whatever state you're in, you walk away with an even $100,000. That'd be fucking nice, right? That'd be, hell yeah, that'd be sweet. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, the, the, with the average income that so many people in the nonprofit space make, if I gave you a hundred grand right here, and let's say for you, let's say just because it gives you a little juice, let's say I give you 200 grand after taxes, right? Honestly, that'd be nice for a while, right? You probably pay off some debt, maybe take a vacation, buy a home, you know, you'd be, pay, do, you do some things with it. 
But if we're being honest, after a while, that one-time boost, meh. Meh. Because there'll be a moment, it might not, it may be two years, three years. Honestly, it may be a decade, right? But that 100 grand, that 200 grand, it's gonna be good for a while, but eventually you're gonna have to figure out other ways to get income, right? Even if you invest it. And so you'll have that one-time injection, it's gonna feel freaking nice. And that's, and that's assuming you didn't do any of the work. With many nonprofits, they have to do so much work to get that 100 grand. They have to do event planning. They have to do committees. They have to call shops. They have to call sponsors. They have to go down their roller decks. They're doing all these things just to hold that gala. They're doing all these things just to hold that breakfast event. And then they do it and they fill that injection. And then four months later, they're like, all right, I guess we got to start planning the next one. Uh, that, honestly, that doesn't sound nice. And be, it's because of that that a lot of nonprofits are saying to themselves, honestly, it's not reoccurring enough. We'd rather, uh, if we can get these sponsors, instead of giving us a quick you know, $10,000 check, can they just give us um, you know, $1,300 every month without doing anything? That $1,300 may be less than the $20,000. But they're like, you know what? We'd rather just get the money every every single month. And we'll take 25% less. And then they still get the same things. And we'll talk about them in other ways. Because it's event planning is hard. It is hard. And we're talking about everything. Galas, silent auctions, breakfasts, um, uh, d- dances. I don't even know if that's a thing. Dan- yeah, I'm sure some people do dances. Concerts. You know, all these things that require a lot of time, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of planning. It's exhausting. Just talking about it, I'm tired. And I'm not talking about the massive ones either, right? You know, don't think don't think of those ones. I'm not talking about the Met Galas. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the uh, Atlanta Mayor's Mass Ball. That's a really big one in the Southeast. Uh, I'm not talking about those types of um, nonprofit events that are star-studded and bring out everyone and the tickets are $2,000. I'm talking about tickets are $110, right? I got one here in Albuquerque. It's the Red Gala. I think they're selling tickets for like $125. I'm talking about those types of galas. I'm talking about those types of events. I'm not talking about the ones where you have to spend $2,500 a ticket and the, the dress code is strict. We're talking about people showing up in cowboy boots and Nikes. Respectfully. I say it respectfully. So, look, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. For, for me, they're not, one, nonprofit events are never going where. They're not going anywhere. They're like newspapers. We were just talking about newspapers in the previous segment. Newspapers aren't going anywhere. But we're not talking about the Washington Times. We're not talking about the L.A. Times. We're not talking about the New York Times. You know, we're talking about the hardwood gazettes out there, the the nonprofits that uh, have a, a five hundred thousand dollar or one million dollar annual revenue stream. We're talking about those types of events, and I think even with some of those, they're going to continue to stick around. But parts of the nonprofit space, it, like newspapers, 
They're going away and they're never coming back. Flat out. They're never coming back. They're never coming back. But I do see a world where a lot of nonprofits in about 10 years, I talked about this earlier, in about 10 years are going to see a little bit of a, of a reboom. Is that a word, reboom? They're going to see a little bit of a reboom. More and more people are spending time inside, on screens, watching TVs. I mean, they're just, people are going to be desperate. People are going to be a lot more desperate than we realize to get out of the house. It, it all ebbs and flows, right? I think there's still a lot of folks, myself included, after COVID who are very cool staying home. But when you have, uh, what was it, uh, Apple releasing the Vision Pro, we're all going to be at home like in the 80s movies, like just headsets on virtual reality like it's the Matrix. And I think that's going to be an opportunity. There's going to be an opportunity for a lot of nonprofits to say, hey, hey, we're holding a nice event. 50 bucks, 100 bucks. It won't even have to be a lot. Hey, we're holding an event, right? We got a food truck. And we were just, people just come out and they're going to have a really good time. And it's going to benefit the nonprofit at the same time. And the nonprofits are going to host it themselves. And I think a lot of those types of events, they'll still take a lot of work. But I think it's going to be a little bit more casual, a little bit more laid back. And that's a proponent that I'm hoping to see a lot of nonprofits do over the next 7 to 10 years. All right, before we get out of here, time for our favorite segment of every episode, our nonprofit horror story. And this is an interesting one because this is the first nonprofit horror story of 2024. So look, why not have me just deliver it? No, no, look, I need some more. I'll tell you that, to be honest with you. Need some more. But I was like, I've got two in my email box. I always like to have at least four four on deck so i can have those kind of scatters throughout but i need more if you get the opportunity hit me up at the nonprofit insider podcast at gmail love to have it there but i wanted to start this year off with one from my bank very simple because this is our first one of 2024 it's already february we didn't even get one in january but reading too many books as they would say <laughs> so um this is a story that is for me, just one of my my favorites. It's like a, a it, it, this is gonna live in my head for a really long time. So one time I was on a, a hiring committee, and we were just trying to hire like a, a coworker of mine. And so it's me, it's the my boss, and it's like one other coworker I think, and a, and a volunteer. And so we're holding these. Um, um, and this is during COVID, right? So this is, this is a, very, a very important piece because none of these are in person. So we're holding this. Um, we're holding this. <laughs> I can't like it. Just thinking about it, just like I, like it floors me every time. So we're holding this interview, and again, it's during COVID, so all of them are on camera. And this is like not the first two or three months after COVID got started in March 2020. I mean, this is like a year and I want to actually say like at least a year and a half. I mean, this is at least a year and a half. So by then, like Zoom is a part of the lexicon. So we get to like the, I think it's like maybe the third or fourth, one of the middle, second, third or fourth, one of the middle interviews. And they're like, all right, we're looking pretty good. These, these interviews are going really nice. And one of the, the people that comes to mind, we'll say his name is Sean, just, just because, right? 
he goes to he goes to get we we <laughs> I mean every time you just talk about it. So we we uh get on the call and it's us, you know, me, the boss, the, the co-worker, and we're just waiting on the person to get us on. And the person finally gets on. He's like, hey, you know, excited to talk to you all. And like a minute, maybe like almost feels like maybe two minutes in, like he doesn't come on camera. And so the boss finally is like, hey, you know, we, we, we can't see you, Sean. Can, is your camera okay? You know, just making sure it's one of those things like there wasn't something like we don't know, you know, because there could be all kinds of reasons that people don't come on camera. So we're just like, hey, we just we don't see you. Like maybe they have special accommodations. I don't know. And so he goes, oh, we're, I didn't realize you were supposed to be on camera today. And the boss goes, oh, yeah, you know, that was a part of the. You know, the process, it was laid out from the recruiter and all that stuff. And he goes, oh, I didn't. He's like, I- I'm sorry. I didn't even know. I was I was just uh, outside mowing my yard. And we're like, the rest of us on the call are like, what? And, of course, whenever you're in an interview like this, like, if you don't know this in the nonprofit space, if you're ever in an interview, whoever is on that panel, they're all talking to each other on a sidebar. So they, they're talking to you, but they have their own little sidebar, and they're probably saying, oh, this is not going well, or oh, this person is, is doing really well. Every committee that I've ever been on that's hiring, that's been virtual, there, there's, a, there's a side little side channel. So we're all on a side channel like, wait, what? And he says, oh, yeah, I was just more in my yard. Like, and he just continues talking, does not shut up. He's like... We were like, whoa, 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 you need to stop right now. Like, you you dug a hole, and you're going to keep digging. So he says, I didn't realize um, I, I was mowing my, my yard. I didn't realize you were supposed to get on camera. I'm all, like, sweaty and stuff now. And we're like, uh, okay. And so the boss is like, well, we can wait for you, you know, to change. Because he's like, oh, yeah, okay, that'd be great. So he gets on camera. Or no, he does. He's never on camera, but he he gets off the the mic, and so he goes like I assume it's like his closet or something like that, and <laughs> he comes back, and so we're talking on the side channel. You know, the five of us like okay, he, it, this is rocky, but it's still salvageable. You know what I mean? Like it, it's still salvageable. It's still like you know it's a pandemic time. You know it's tough out here. You know maybe. He, you know, maybe he's trying to do a bunch of things. And so we're like, all right, he's going to get on camera. So he comes back and he's like, oh, I found the shirt. And so we're thinking like, he, you know, he at least is putting on like a collared shirt. You know, maybe maybe he doesn't put the pants on, but, you know, maybe he puts a shirt, a tie, at the least a collared shirt, maybe a button shirt. Nope. This fucker comes back. And I said it respectfully. This fucker comes back. He's got on a raggedy bacon neck t-shirt. And you're just like, when he came on camera, I mean, like, honestly, I think my jaw hit the floor. I've never had that happen. And look, I'm one, I try to be very cautious in interviews because they can be hard. They can be stressful for a lot of folks. But he came on with like, a t-shirt that looked like he was just that Lollapalooza. I mean, were you at Burning Man, my guy? What are you doing? And so at that point, it was basically dead on arrival. It was dead on arrival. And so you may be thinking, like, you're you're talking to each other, you're saying, swim. Why is this horrific for you? Honestly, it was horrific for me having to... 
the, the part that was horrific was having to continue the interview. That was the horrific part because you're just like, oh, shit, we're going to have to go through the motions now. Like, that's what I'm like, we're going to have to go through the motions. Like, and, and like, I'm not in a position to just be like, listen, this is not going to work. And you're not supposed to do that if you're being honest. It's kind of rude. And there's a lot of things in play from the HR side of things. You, you, don't, you probably don't want to just cut it off right then and there, right? But it was clear. This is, this is going nowhere. And it went nowhere in the first five minutes of the interview. So I'm reading him questions like, what type of team player are you? Or give me an example of a time where uh, a policy didn't align with your you know, beliefs. I'm asking him these questions. And I'm like, you're not getting hired. I mean, you're not getting hired. I mean, we clowned him. After that interview, and we probably clammed on for a long time, to be honest with you. I mean, it was probably like a year. We rolled on this guy. Because when he said, oh, I was mowing my yard, I'm all sweaty. And he came on camera with this collared shirt that was the apps. I mean, this shirt, I should have probably can't, can't do those things. That's illegal probably. But, like, I wanted the screenshot it so bad because it was just... It was like, bro, it looked like you were mowing your yard in this shirt. You changed shirts? Is this a clean shirt? I could not believe it. And so having to, to continue that interview and asking those questions, it was so horrifying for me. It was like, oh, my gosh, this is the worst hour ever. All right, listen, that's enough for today's episode. Wish me well in Philly. Um... Whenever I go back to my hometown, I'm always like, ugh. I know there's this, there's those uh, memes during holidays when people go back to their hometowns and are like, ugh. I grew up in the fifth largest, the, at the time, the fifth largest city in America. And anytime, every time I go back, I'm like, ugh. I cannot live here. This place is too many people, too tight, too loud, too aggressive. It's too northeast for me. Like, I'm... I'll be honest, I'm too soft. I'm too I'm too soft for that. I'm like, this place is wild. But whenever I go to New York, I always feel a little bit different. Maybe because I'm visiting versus living there. All right, listen, that's enough for today's episode. I already said that. Be sure to hit us up on Instagram, follow us on TikTok. We'll see you on the next episode.